Welcome to Don't Listen to Us, episode number 22. I'm Sean King. I'm Melissa King. Thanks very much for uh, joining us, listening to us, even though we tell you not to. Doofuses. We don't uh, listen to us, either, <laughs> to tell you the truth. We, um, uh, oh, emails, as always, to uh, dltu at yml.me. We got this really strange thing in the mail the other very day. Very odd. Very odd. It's very strange in that it's recognizably an envelope, but it's not a bill. Doesn't have a window. It's not a notification that we need to pay something. It's not a useless piece of junk mail. Nothing being solicited. And then it gets weirder that it's got like a real stamp on it. And then it has these really fascinating like hieroglyphic squiggles. Squiggly lines. These squiggly lines. Made up altogether, you can actually decipher. Well, and it looks like it might be ink. Oh, you mean from a pen. Like a pen. Which, you know, you couldn't find anywhere within 10 feet of where I am right now. Oh, I don't think that I ever even saw your handwriting for the first six months after I knew you. I think the first time I ever saw you with a pen was when you were signing the marriage certificate. (laughs) Seriously. I I, I wouldn't doubt that. I was like, oh my God. I absolutely wouldn't doubt that. I've never seen Sean's writing. So so there's this uh, pretty yellow envelope. It says Sean and Melissa, to Sean and Melissa King. With the correct address. Yes. With these with these squiggles on it. And then you open it up. Now, the thing, when you open it up, I recognize it as a card <laughs> of some kind. But it doesn't say happy birthday. It doesn't say get well. It doesn't say uh, uh, in, in, in your bereavement. Or it says, it says simply thanks. Yes. And then when you open it up, it turns out this is from... My, and hopefully your, friend Sue. Yes. Susan Thayer of uh, Glenn and Susan fame. And do, would, you, would you like to read it? Oh, it's lovely. I'm just so charmed Again, and it's also, it. on the inside of this card, the same squiggles. Same squiggles, In yes. that ink stuff. Ink, and it even goes over onto the back here. I think that's because she was too and I, cheap to buy a bigger card. I w- no, this is perfect. I know. And I will say, I mean, Susan's much younger. You don't younger. have to read it. I'm just No, I'm not going to. But Susan's a much younger woman. But I... She's what, not much younger. No, much younger than what I'm going to just say. Will you stop interrupting? <laughs> my grandmother. My grandmother, of course, I received letters from her constantly when I moved away from Australia. That's and what this is called, a letter. It's a, or a card. But she, she would write to me. And I would write to my grandmother. And when I got this, it reminded me of how much I miss that beautiful, charming, personal, handwritten letter. This might be the sweetest thing Susan's ever done. Oh, it's just so lovely to get a card in the mail. It's an actual real-life handwritten card. Yes. It is just lovely. And it's to and thank it's you. And it's simply a thank you It's note. just simply thank you. It's like that. I feel like I was in a Jane Austen novel, <laughs> opening it up and, and then feeling very compelled to write back. You mean so, handwriting back? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you must. You never just email somebody in response <laughs> to a hand and go, thanks for the note. No, you must, you must handwrite them back. That is just the sweetest, loveliest thing yeah, so ever. Yes, just to thank us for the lovely, and we did have a lovely evening with, with her, her and her beautiful daughter, Joanna, and, Joanna, and uh, we had a lovely dinner, and it was just simply a, like a, a Jane Austen-ish, <laughs> thank you so much for the lovely dinner, and for us to catch up. This was very nice. It was very sweet of her yes. to, to go, because she could have very easily sent, sent a text message. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, thanks a lot. Yeah. Great, you guys, yeah, on Facebook. That would have been fine. This is extra special. It would have so. been fine if she'd done that. Sean and I have it sitting around the house exactly. in various places. But I had to come put it thing. on his desk. To, he said, put it near the computer to remind me to, well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> to mention it. A bit of a doofus. Um, <laughs> we went out yesterday. We uh, put uh, the 12-year-old on the back of my motorcycle. And we went down to Scotty Scooters. If you're ever in the Gibson area, go to Scotty Scooters. Scotty Scooter Rentals. .ca and rented a little scooter because Melissa is getting more and more interested in getting her own motorcycle license. Yeah, I got a bigger scooter yesterday than the first one I got. You had a tippy-toe, this scooter. It was a tippy-toe. It was heavier, much heavier. And any motorcycle you get is going to be twice as heavy as a scooter. Yes. Just because of the way the the engines work. Mm -hmm. Did you feel comfortable on a bigger, heavier scooter? 
Yes. In no. theory, a faster scooter as oh, well? Oh, yes, 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 I did. You look so cute on the scooter. <laughs> I didn't, you you didn't take a picture yesterday. I, I couldn't. I had your son in the back. I think, no, no, I know. Just when there's, we, when there's we no stopped or whatever. I yeah. take hand. I did the Superman thing. Oh, you did with him on the back. Freaked his ass oh, right because Rory's very Mr. Safety. I'm surprised the, he. The Superman thing is my, my motorcycle <laughs> has cruise control. And so once you get about 50 kilometers an hour, cruise control, you can, I, I turn cruise control on. And it's a, it's a, as I always tell people who are thinking about motorcycling, a motorcycle by its nature at slow speed wants to fall over. But at speeds above, say, 10, 15 kilometers an hour, it wants to stay upright in a straight line. It's the rules of physics, Newton. So I can put my bike on cruise control and take my hands off the wheel. If the road is flat and smooth, the bike will continue to track. I can ride for, I've ridden for kilometers like that down Trans Canada in, in Vancouver from Chilliwack to in, into Abbotsford. There's a whole stretch there. It's like five kilometers long at no turns. I've done the whole thing with, with no hands on the motorcycle at 120 kilometers an hour. So what I do is the Superman thing is kind of fun. You, you turn the cruise control on, take your hands off and you put your hands out in front of you and, and, and you're like Superman. Like, nah, 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 nah. He it, seriously it, does it, folks. It's, and it's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. So now Rory, when he's on the back, I think part of it is, I think he and he is not yet. I'm not his dad, so I think I think that's he doesn't want to get he want to get huggy with me. But he does hug you. He spontaneously hugs you. This is a different thing. I understand. I have no problem with that. No, no. But um, I told him, you know, put his hands wherever he's comfortable. He can wrap them around my waist. He can put them on my hips, just as long as he doesn't grab my arms. So Rory's decision is to put them on my shoulders, <laughs> and as if you were going to massage someone, you know, that close to, to to the neck. So his hands are there, and it's very funny. There's a direct relationship to <laughs> the the tightness of his grip to my throttle hand. <laughs> when I throttle up, that grip gets stronger. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be willing to bet it at 140 kilometers, he would strangle oh, yeah. me to death. Yes. <laughs> I think that might. What, 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 oh, you're what getting a real good deep massage deep, there. A very deep therapy massage. <laughs> um, and so his hands were up there on my neck. And when I, he didn't see me do this, put on cruise control, and I take my hands off and just me like, oh, did he? Oh, yeah. He tightened up big time. He tightened up big time. <laughs> it was very fun. We had, we had a great time just, just uh, watching you. Ride this good, uh, teasing well, you because you wouldn't. You oh, forget to turn your turn I signals off. <laughs> Rory and I have, uh, or the two helmets have a communication system, so we can talk to each other. So when Melissa and I are riding, we can chat in the helmets. But Rory was using Mom's helmet, so he was able to talk to me. So yeah, we were teasing you about <laughs> not not turning your signals. Well, off. and I went out onto the highway this time. I went to lights and I turned on lights and. Went along the highway. It wasn't busy. It wasn't like the ferry. I kept thinking, oh, my God, what if the ferry has just come in? I'd be dealing with a lot of cars. But but my bicycle riding across Vancouver all those years is really uh, – because I'm not intimidated. Yeah. I don't feel intimidated by, by, by traffic. By traffic. No, because I've been on a bicycle for so many years. So. And and tell and, and you're actually riding along giggling to yourself. Oh, well, I giggle. Well, first of all, a huge – but you can see I have this big lump – it's amazing how big a bug looks when you're going along at yeah, 60, 60, maybe yeah. close to 70, and yeah. this bug was like, oh, right like we were eye to eye, boom, right in my forehead. And I went, ouch, yeah. I actually said it out loud. No, I went over a very big, I didn't detect a, a big bump in the road, and my little butt came flying up out of the seat, and I banged that, and I could not stop giggling. I was giggling and giggling and giggling while I was riding along. And the funny thing it's is, so, she, so she's in the what's called the right-hand track, so she's closest to the side of the road, and I'm I'm closest to the yellow line, and I'm watching her. I'm watching to see that she's she's comfortable, that she's her her form is correct, that she's doing all the things that she's supposed to be doing. I'm also watching the road, and I'm a fairly experienced rider, so I can watch two things at once. And I saw, like, fifty feet in front of you, I thought, oh, that's a divot. I wonder if she can sit. Nope. <laughs> I went, woo! Damn! And I, I, I feel like the bug and the divot happened very simultaneously. It was the bug, and I went, ouch! And yeah. then I went, boom! I was flying up out of the thing, and I could not stop giggling. It was a blast. It's, it really is. It's and it's really weird. You're you're going to take your your written test at some point yes. in your future. Yeah. And one of the biggest problems we have here, this is the wonderful country that we live in, Canada, that. A lot of things cost ridiculous amounts of money. Yeah. When I got my motorcycle license in Nashville, Tennessee, 
It was a three-day class, four hours on Friday, eight hours on Saturday, eight hours on Sunday. At the end of the class, you took your DMV test and got your license. That was 150 bucks. Here in Canada, that same kind of class, A, takes two weeks and costs almost $1,000. It's they, they're, they're actively discouraging you from getting your motorcycle they license. They sort of are, in a way. And they shouldn't be because the more motorcycles we have on the road, the fewer cars we have on the road, the less traffic congestion we'll have on the road. Uh, I think the better it'll it'll be. Plus, it's an alternative mode of transportation. Don't discourage people. No, many people. License. It's their only way they could afford. True, there's that to, to do this to and for work and things like that. Yeah. So crazy, crazy difference. So my friend and I are going to go down to the states and do it. With yeah, you. it's going to be three hundred bucks down in Washington State. Yeah, um, they won't give you your. DMV endorsement down there, obviously, because you don't you won't have a Washington State no. license. But you can take the class. Yeah, you can take the evening Friday evening class, Saturday all day, Sunday all day, and then they'll actually test you, and you can see whether you would have passed or failed their test. Yeah, but then when you come home, you can set it up with the local DMV to go and do your test. And I think that'd be great. The next challenge is going to be finding a bicycle, sorry, a motorcycle that you can ride on. Melissa is petite, she's wee, she's tiny, and that makes things a lot harder to find suitable motorcycles, especially because you're looking at wanting because you want to be cool and, and hot and sexy. You don't, you, you don't want a cruiser. I don't. You want, you want a sport bike. I do. And the nature of sport bikes means it's going to be a little harder to find one that fits you properly. Not impossible, just a little harder. Mm. But we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. I really do want a sport bike. Good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I've always, I, I've known lots of riders to my life, and there's always guys who like one aspect of riding more than the other. I know guys who will only ride alone. They won't oh. ride with other people, either oh. in the back or other, other motorcycles. I know other guys who won't ride with a passenger. They love riding alone, and they'll ride with someone on their own bike, but they won't put him on the back of theirs. Okay. Or for me, I ride alone. I'm happy because I can ride in a different kind of way. With someone in the back, with you in the back, I ride. I love having you in the back. I ride differently there. If you're on your own bike, I would ride differently there too. All aspects of riding, I I would like. I it wouldn't matter to me. I think it's not something you've you've asked me before. Is um, do you do, do I want you on the back? Of course yes. I do. Absolutely. Yes. And I want you on your own bike, and I want you to enjoy it in any way that you want to. Mm-hmm. And. I, I don't know if it's, and this is not meant, meant to be as insulting as it's going to sound. I don't know what kind of assholes you've dated before, but you've had this concern that I'm just going to take off. Mm. That we're going to go riding and you'll be on your bike and I'm going to go, oh, I see you in a, in a half an hour. Me at the pub. Me at the pub. I would <laughs> never do that. But I've, I know people who have done that, who have had that happen to them. Or they have some asshole boyfriend that just zooms off on them. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. No. No, no, I don't think I've had. I think that's another woman that you've dated in your life. I've never had well, no, that fear you, with you. You, you. You've had that fear. That I've had a fear that I would hold you back from enjoying a ride that you would prefer to ride, but I never would think that you would take off on me. And like I said, I, I, I would enjoy the ride just in a different way with you on your own bike going slowly. Yes. As opposed to be, me by myself going fast. Yes. I, it, there's a different feeling to both those rides. Yes. So I don't want this fine by me. Well, I'm grateful for that. Help. My mother-in-law owns the building my husband and I live in. I moved in with him about a year ago, before we were married. Because she owns the building, she doesn't charge her son rent to live there, but asks that he help manage the building, which takes about three hours a month. He has a full-time job outside of managing the building. When I moved in, his mom asked that I pay rent. Uh, again, are they married? Not, not, not at the time. Okay. And so so the, the boyfriend moves in his girlfriend, and mom says pay rent. And yeah, okay. how do you feel about that? Uh, so the, the the son is living there rent, rent free. free, and then she moves in with the son. Yes, as the girlfriend. Oh no, you don't do that. The, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe ask her. Could she help if if you you could help manage the building in some way or relinquish some of the duties to her to the girlfriend? Maybe, but not. Uh. My first thought in reading this was right. I stopped right there and said. Why did the boyfriend let his mom do that? Well, the well, you think he would say, "Well, no, mom, she's with me, yeah, and, and yeah. we'll do your helping you manage the building." And yeah, and even if she wasn't, uh, no, mom, that that ain't cool. No, but now they're married. Now they're married. Okay. 
I guess in the back of my mind, I thought it would change after we got married. Well, yeah. Do you think I'm a brat for thinking I shouldn't have to pay rent? The amount she's charging me is about what I would pay if we lived in another building and split the rent between us. I don't know how to approach this, or if I'd be stepping out of line to request living somewhere rent-free. Please help. <sighs> okay, first of all, your mother-in-law's a bitch. She okay? sort of is, yes. That's just... I just but... The the second part of this is this is what we keep I keep beating on my entire life this idea of stand up for yourself when it happens if when you moved in with the boyfriend and either the mother in law said you owe me x numbers of dollars for rent or the boyfriend says you got to pay rent to live here that's when you step up and go no I'm not doing that mm. you know I'll, I'll split the rent with you. But you're not paying rent, so I have nothing for me to split. Okay, I'll pay the utilities. Okay. You know, I'll pay the gas bill. Yeah, like bill. some contribution. I'll pay, I'll pay the internet bill. I'll buy the food. Whatever. Right. You know, some contribution. We'll, we'll be fine. But even if there wasn't any, you've got to be fine with that too. You're living yeah. with the person, so in theory, you're married to them. Yeah. But the moment you got married, and when the first of the month came around, <laughs> and my mother-in-law was standing there with her hand out looking for a rent check, I'd be like... Your new new husband. I'm your daughter-in-law. New husband, speak to your mother. Yeah. You got to stand up for yourself. Yeah. Because now she doesn't say how, what the distance is from the marriage to now, Mm -hmm. what what time frame it is. Right. The longer you leave this, the more awkward this conversation is going to get. Yes. But I do believe that the conversation has to start with the husband first. Yes. You'll talk to your husband and go, sweetheart, this, this is not right. No. And if nothing else, think of the money we could be saving for our future together if I'm not going to pay a thousand bucks a month rent to your mother. Well, the mother sounds like she's a bit of a, she's indicating that the daughter in law is a freeloader, mm-hmm. which is awful. Exactly. She's there married to her son. Oh, yeah. oh well, yes. Now I, know, I have to start awful. with the son. Just awful. Yeah. This one's hilarious. Mm. I met my boyfriend David on Tinder five months ago and was a match made in heaven. He's compassionate, attractive, and a bombshell in bed. Recently at our physical, at our physical. Okay, they must have gone to a physical together. All right. Whoa. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's now what, we've got to go for a physical. <laughs> that's when I stop right there with, whoa? <laughs> our physical? Okay, whatever. At our physical, I learned something. David is five feet, eight inches tall. On his Tinder profile, he listed himself as six feet tall. On our first date, I asked him if he's really six feet tall. He got agitated and said yes. I felt I feel uh. lied to and betrayed. Why is he so insecure about his height? Uh. He takes so much pride in being tall. Always bragging to our friends and acquaintances, <laughs> commenting on how he won't fit in that car, asking if I need help getting something off the top shelf. When the doctor read off his height, I thought I saw his eyes start to swell up. Now he's attempting to stick his height into every conversation. I've been afraid to bring it up, but this is really bugging me. I see marriage in our future, as we're both almost 40, but this needs to be settled first. Oh, dear. Okay, this guy is not 5 foot 11 and a half. No, it's a lot below 6 feet. (laughs) This is significantly below 6 feet. It's Yes, like it's a lot. How could she not have known anyway initially that he wasn't a full six feet after well, she well, met him? Well, she would have known immediately as soon as you meet him. And you, and you would have gone, oh, okay. So he lied. about it. And people lie about their weight and their height and their age. Oh, and they would lie about all sorts yeah. of things, so I think. So she would have blown it up until she finds out he gets agitated about it. He gets <sighs> upset by it. He comments on it on a regular basis. He says, I can't fit in that car. You're five foot fucking eight, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you can fit in everything. Well, he has little man syndrome. Yeah. He has an issue. But if he's a bombshell in bed and it's all good, then uh, it's, it's annoying her then. She's bothered by it. She's bothered by it. She said, this needs to be settled first. Do you not think this is maybe indicative of something else that could be a problem in the future? Well, she's saying that everything is pretty wonderful. They're, they're a good match. Mm-hmm. It's just this one thing. So what do you think it could be indicative of in the future? He's, she says now he's attempting to stick his height into every conversation. Wouldn't that get incredibly annoying? Well, yes. No, it's a definite huge issue for him. Now that It's almost like he realizes now she knows that I'm not six feet. Yeah. Like he thought that she thought he was six feet before. And guess what, Sparky? Six feet ain't no magic number. No, no. 
Seven feet is. Yeah, but but yeah. six feet ain't nothing. And five foot eight. Yeah, I mean he's he's a short man. He's five foot eight average. Five, five, is eight, that five, an average height I, for I, a guy? I think in North America, average height's five nine. Oh, all right. Average height for women is five four. Oh, okay, okay. But you know, that's not that bad. Well, I, how tall is she? She didn't say how tall she, she is. How tall she is. But, well, but, but we can assume she's sh- shorter than five. Well, she has to, like you always say, she's got to say, we've got to talk about this. You're, you're slipping it into every conversation. You know, I don't have a problem with it. I love you. I don't care that you're not yeah. six feet, but you don't have to be pretending that you're a tall man. What a weird thing. It's a very weird thing. To get thing. agitated about. Yes. Well, what do you think it's indicative of for the future? I don't know. But if someone, if something this small... Yeah. And insignificant bothers him this much that she's afraid to bring it up. Mm. What well, happens if something big happens? She's afraid to bring it up because she's worried that he, she, he's going to think she thinks it's a reflection on his manliness. She doesn't want him to think that. She, you know, if she's afraid to bring it up, I'm wondering if she doesn't want to offend him or, or, or for him to think that it bothers her. That brings up a whole manliness thing that, unfortunately, women have to deal with. I don't, I'm just thinking, do men have to deal with femininity, femininity in the same way? I don't think so. Because manliness, capital M, air quotes, is very, it can be very toxic. Yeah, oh, yes. Can femininity be toxic in the same kind of way? Well, I can't say. But, I mean, if, if a woman feels inadequate in certain, especially nowadays with the mm. visuals that you get coming at you from all over, it can be very, very difficult for a woman. I don't think it's as toxic as what it potentially can be for a man. I think a woman takes it more inner inside mm. of herself. She doesn't – her breasts aren't big enough. She's not thin enough. Her hair is not lustrous enough, all yep. this kind of thing. With men, I think it's to do with penis. Sure. So, penis size. Yep. And potentially height. Yeah, I think men, there's that little man syndrome thing. But usually we think of that as usually for guys who are like under 5'4". I know, right? You know, Napoleon syndrome. Not yeah. a guy who's perfectly average height, 5'8". Five five eight. So yeah. to me, that would be, I'd, I'd be worried about that. If you get upset over something so minor, and what should have happened in a normal relationship is her saying, are you sure you're, your Tinder says sick? Are you sure? No, I lied. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, and it's okay. And get it. Move on. I'm sorry. I just I just don't like being, that's a, a sweetheart. Don't worry about it. I don't care how tall you are. It's making a difference. That's it. But when the, when the conversation over something so insignificant. To her, not to, to him. To 95% of the rest of the population, that he gets agitated about it and now has to assert and and she says he's always bragging to her friends about how we won't fit in the car. You know, this is this is something that's no. more than just It is. You know, and that's what that's what I would be worried about. And it's that, the only thing though, obviously, that she's having a problem with so far. Yeah. That and the fact they have to take physicals together. The hell? <laughs> Weird. It's, it's a weird. I mean, I've heard of a couple's massage, but not a couple's <laughs> physical. <laughs> there was this uh, radio station, ninety-six point seven, the block. Said, "I bet you couldn't do this. No cell phone, no Facebook, no computer access, no Wi-Fi for three months, and you get three million dollars. Could you do this? Are oh, absolutely. Me? No. Are you shitting problemo. me? Problemo. I could do it in a heartbeat." <laughs> For three million dollars, I don't want to be around you though. I what are you going to do with yourself? I could do it ha- for half that m- amount of money, for twice as much. I make it six months and a million dollars. I'm curious. Still doing it. I'm curious what you would do with yourself. I'd read a fucking paper. What would you? Okay, read a paper. I'd okay, watch, that's I'd one watch thing. The news. Watch the news. You'd have to do it on cable TV. Fine. It doesn't say. It says no computer access. Okay, so I'll watch Netflix on my TV. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. No, no cell phone. I don't use my cell phone anyway as a phone. True. I would get it if I needed to. I get a landline put in. If I needed to use the phone. Okay. No Facebook. Easy. Easy peasy. I agree. No computer access. No computer access. Basically, no internet access would be bothersome for me. Yes. Yes. Um, if only because of photography. That's why. I, that's why I edit. Photographs is on the yes, computer. Yes, but you could go out and do lots of photography. You'd have lots of time to do that. No Wi-Fi? Okay. No problem. You know, that's, uh, if I don't have internet access, that's, that, that, that goes on for three months and $3 million. 
Do they really mean it? I don't know if they meant it or not. I don't know if it was an actual contest, but mm. yeah, that would be easy. To and do. how are they going to monitor and that? As a matter of fact, that should be easy for everybody. I know. There's not a single person on the planet who should go, oh, no, I couldn't do that. Yes, but what about your job? A lot of people need it for their work. I'm going to get $3 million at the end of yeah, this. Yeah, really? Who cares? Yeah. I would not have a problem doing that. Oh, I would so do it. Oh, my God. Oh God. Again, it should be easy. There's no one who should go, oh, I don't know if I could do it. No, you can do this. I don't believe that that's true, though. It was a Facebook thing. But it, no, I'm not saying it was an actual contest. Oh, but you're just saying it as I'm, a topic yeah, to, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm yes, I'm in. Yeah. I, you, Wouldn't bother me you at all. absolutely do that easily. <laughs> this was a really disturbing story from, um, where was it? Uh, Utah. A mother has been left outraged after her daughter's school introduced a policy that state students aren't allowed to say no when asked to dance. Natalie Richard from Utah was speaking to her sixth grade daughter about the upcoming dance at the school in Canesville Elementary when she was told about the controversial rule. Her daughter explained that teachers had told the students, aged between 11 and 12, that they had to say yes when someone asked them to dance. In disbelief, Miss Richard said that they must have, she must have understood, misunderstood what they were saying. However, after speaking to the school, she soon realized the statement was accurate. The teacher said she can't. She has to say yes. She has to accept. Could we possibly be sending a worse message to 12-year-old girls? Especially girls, but boys also. No, no, this is about girls. This is about girls not being allowed to turn down boys. All right. Why is it about girls not being allowed to turn down boys? Because boys don't turn down girls. <laughs> you don't know that. If a girl... If, My son if I'm would turn old, down a girl, he would be so shy. Yes, okay, fine. Yes. But this is, doesn't matter. Okay. That, it, the gender doesn't matter. If it's girls turning down boys, boys I turning agree. down girls. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Yes, I agree. That's better for me. The message isn't you can't say no. That's just... Fucking awful. It's not a good message. It's no, saying, you don't say no. It's saying you don't have control over your own body. Mm-hmm. You don't have control over your own actions. Yes. Other people dictate to you what you should and can do. Mm-hmm. And at the age of 12, come on. And, you know, th- this is one of those stupid things. I guarantee you it's a man who instituted this policy. That these men think that... that um, uh, they remember how they felt in grade six or five or whatever it was. When a girl said no. When a girl said no. And I remember how I felt. Too. I felt like shit. I felt, mm-hmm. felt like, guess what? <clears throat> Not everyone gets to say yes to you, asshole. No. Not every woman has to acquiesce to what you want them. This is all about no one being left out. No one being felt to feel bad or anything like that. Mr. Findlay, I told you it was a guy. Lane Finley with the Weber School District confirmed that it is in fact a rule, but added it's meant to teach students how to be inclusive. Inclusive. Yeah. So to see how these things spread to every single... It's like we talked about Valentine's Day a whole bunch of episodes ago. Valentine's Day being boys give boys give girls Valentine's, boys give boys Valentine's. Every single person in the whole friggin' school gets a Valentine. Please be respectful, be polite, Mr. Finley said. We want to promote kindness. And so we want you to say yes when someone asks you to dance. Kindness is, no thank you, Timmy, I don't want to dance right now. Mm -hmm. That's kindness. It's honesty, yes. Now, I could definitely say, no, Timmy, Timmy, you're a horrendous little troll. That wouldn't be nice. But teaching girls and boys Mm -hmm. that they can't say no, that's just awful yes so psychologically the woman miss miss richard said psychologically my daughter keeps coming to me and saying i can't say no to a boy oh dear yeah oh i don't like that inclusiveness is not nearly as important as teaching children that they have no obligation to allow anyone to touch them or invade their personal space if it makes them feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that's much more important than this inclusive bullshit yes it is because mr findley got turned down by little Susie cutesie pie when he was 12 years old. It could be coming from that, or he's taking the concept of inclusion and he's deciding to make it about everything instead of... You know what? You don't get included in everything, okay? Some people, not everyone's a freaking winner. There's got to be losers in Mm -hmm. some situations. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the problems we teach kids nowadays Mm -hmm. is that they, um, they say... 
you know, every, every kid gets a prize. Every kid gets, gets an inclusion award. Every kid. No. Teach kids that there are winners and losers, and it's okay to sometimes lose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Teach yes. kids how to be good losers as well. Yep. As opposed to everyone wins and therefore devalues everything else. If, yeah. every, if everyone's a winner. Yeah. And there, and there are no losers. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But it's like a pendulum in anything. It's swung too far now. Inclusion, the concept of inclusion. Last summer, I was hugely pregnant. Is there such a thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there, my God, yes. There, okay. uh, and driving my small 2008 sedan, which was getting old but still perfectly functional, my husband was driving his 2012 sporty car, still making payments. At the time, we debated upgrading my car for an SUV because we were about to have two kids and neither of our cars fit all the baby gear we're going to need. Okay. So my husband totaled his car in an accident. His fault. I suggested this was the perfect time to upgrade to a mini SUV for the family. He wanted another sporty car. We fought about this for months. Finally, we both decided the mini SUV made the most sense. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I would drive the bigger car for all the kid-related stuff. He would take my smaller 2008 sedan to work. Smaller car is totally functional. Not girly or ugly or anything. But, you knew there had to be a but. Hmm. He has since become convinced that he deserves a better car. He's been taking the SUV to work. Often just moving the car seats, not even telling me. There it sits in a parking lot for the entire day with all the baby gear like the stroller. To make matters worse, the smaller car's bumper became partially detached. We had to bungee cord it while deciding what to do. So not only am I driving the car that doesn't even fit the stroller, I can't even safely get on the freeway in case the bungee cord comes undone. What do we do here? He's convinced that the smaller, older car undermines his authority at work and that people will make fun of him. I told him to stop, grow up and stop caring what other people think. We say this quite often. Ma'am, you married an asshole. Oh my God, what an ass. You married a jerk. You married someone who doesn't give a shit about you or his family. Who, who is putting himself, his ego, ahead of all of it. Who somehow thinks people at work will make fun of him because the car he drives? Yeah. Instead of the impracticality of his wife. This is an example of, I was just with a friend who now her daughter has a second wee baby. The wee baby is awake all day and they also have a three-year-old. So she is at home with this baby that's awake all day. So it's this very is, this intense. Is, this is grandma. This is, this is grandma telling me about her daughter's okay. situation. The husband has an opportunity. So she's at home all day with these little ones and there's, she has no transportation. This is North Vancouver. Great-grandma has an old car, a little VW, whatever it is, something or other, that, that, that's been offered to them because she can't drive anymore. It's like, no, no, take this so that you can leave the bigger car at home for, for, the, for this young mum. And he's refused. He said, I'm not going to drive that piece of shit around. So he takes the car every day and leaves her at home with these two little ones going out of her mind like because my friend the grandmother is taking the older to this is a perfect example of it i'm not going to drive that piece of shit car yeah. like well yeah it works it's fine Nothing it's wrong. old it, it's fine i've seen it it's a great car but he won't drive it and no one else cares fella no, no one, one cares, cares car, car if someone driving. said you know if he if he said you know i've got my wife's i want i want to leave the car at home for her she's isolated at home you know i've just got this other family car people go well yeah it's it's a sensible choice unless you're driving to the ferrari dealership in a toyota no one cares what you drive to work no no one gives a rat's ass no and by the way if they do care they're assholes too who cares that they care this is another example of that what we just said earlier toxic maleness yes how we get so wrapped up in these idiotic objects these things yes I see it in the motorcycling community all the time. People make fun of me because I don't ride a Harley. What do you care what I ride? Oh. What difference does it make to you what I ride? When are you going to get a real motorcycle? This has two wheels and engine. It's a real motorcycle, dude. You know, that's, I, I, I don't care. Oh. It's just silly. It is. And in this case, it's slightly dangerous. It's certainly toxic to your marriage. 
Yes, and it's hard to be home with children. It's yeah. hard. You try it, Sparky. Well, and just putting, getting them in a stroller and going for a walk during the day makes all the difference to yep. your whole day. So if you want a lovely wife that you're coming home to that is quite happy to make a lovely dinner for you and ask you about your day, you dare to take her car from her, <laughs> you're part not going to get this, that, buddy. Part of this is a our far too prevalent male attitude of all these things are just objects in my life. My wife and my kids are just objects. And this car object is more important than those baby objects. It's more important than that wife object. You know what I mean? I suppose it is. <clears throat> How awful. You know, it's absolutely awful. That's just awful. <laughs> but what's her solution? Well, I, I don't know if she talks about a solution, but she's got to say to him, I cannot do you. I need... I need the SUV. Yep. I need to get these kids out. These are your children. Yep. I'm, um, you know, um, let's get the bumper fixed. It's a great car. For now, it's our best choice just to keep this other car and please leave me the SUV. She needs to talk to him and tell him he needs to leave it for her. She's got to find a way to get it through his thick skull that what he's doing is hurting his family. Yes. I it's, need to get the children out. Yeah, exactly. I need to get me out. I need to get the children out. This is go this, shopping. Yeah, whatever. Have a stroller. That's right. My God. Um, her solution is has to be find some way to get through to this man that what he's doing is a bad thing. Yes, she does. If does it? Do you do you go so far as a threatened divorce over this? Oh no, she's not going to do that with the kids. Not over a car. She won't. That's you, ridiculous. Do you, do you have to go to therapy over this? If he says no, I'm still taking the SUV. <laughs> oh God, I hope not. <laughs> oh my God. It's because <laughs> the the big question is how do you solve these issues of men who act this way it's very sad that it's even an issue for a family man to be even having to be questioned yes. about this that's what i'm saying that's why this guy thinks that these are just objects I suppose these are not his children mm. these are just objects and that what she's doing is an easy job oh, oh, oh that's, so she'll be yeah. fine like you know i've got my make he's saying that i'm more important than you and these children and my job and my image at my job is more important than anything yeah that's right and yeah. there is no job where that's true like said, really. Unless you work for Ferrari and you drive up in a Toyota. And who's Otherwise, watching him drive into the parking exactly. lot? You know, who cares? Doesn't matter. What I hate about that story is that he's actually going out and removing car seats and strollers yeah. and not telling her. That's disgusting. Nope. Um, <laughs> three years ago, I asked my brother and his girlfriend to take care of my dog while I went away to school. First year was fine. Midway through the second, my brother broke up with his girlfriend, moved out. I panicked, asked her if she would still take care of my dog. She had a house with a yard. My brother and I lived in apartments. She agreed, but told me to come pick up my dog in three months. I wasn't able to meet the deadline, begged her for an extension. Then my dog had to have some expensive surgery. I gave her cash later on. But since then, she has been later and later in responding to me. I admit I wasn't as diligent as I should have been, but I had a lot on my plate with my final year of school and two internships. Now, she refuses to give back the dog. She finally called me back after I bombarded her with text. Oh, good. Harassment. Good. She told me I was harassing her. Ding, ding, ding. She was going to call the cops that I had abandoned my dog, so it was hers now. And she microchipped and registered him as hers. I don't know what to do. Please, how do I get my dog back? Mm. I'm sorry. The dog's hers now. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding. I'm sorry. That gal has been with that dog day in and day out, and she loves that dog. And I would say to her, my God, I'm so grateful. I want to thank you for loving him and enjoy him, and maybe I can come by and visit. Now, see, I disagree with you. On It's interesting. We come to the same conclusion, but in different ways. They're both wrong. He's an idiot for not registering microchipping and getting an agreement written before he gave these people his dog yes but he nobody should, there should have been adoption papers or whatever kind of stuff you my cat wally is microchipped and registered the bcspca as my cat yes not so, everybody does that by the way well then don't be surprised when you lose the animal don't be surprised when you give it to someone else for three years <laughs> jesus 
Dude, get another dog, okay? Well, that's what I think. Get another dog. Leave this the dog. This dog has died. For all intents and purposes, this dog has died. Get another dog. Yes. Okay? This dog was going to die sooner or later. Yes. This do- dog has just virtually died. Yes. Hasn't in fact, but it has, for, for all intents and purposes, you gave your dog to the wrong people. Yes. You didn't take care of your dog the way you promised you would. Yes, but even the contract you go into when you even just get an animal. Yep, that's right. You, so you said you would take care of this dog, and you didn't. Now, it doesn't matter whether it's an internship or a grad school or whatever it is. You had responsibilities, and you didn't live up to them. Someone else lived up to your responsibilities. They get your dog. Oh, yes. The dog's yeah. gone. Dude. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I think she is still... She should not have registered the dog under her name, because basically she stole the dog from him. By registering he, under her name. Yes, but he didn't have it registered. That's right. He so. didn't. But that doesn't mean she's a lot. Doesn't mean just because a dog isn't registered, I can grab one off the street and and, and go register it myself. No, but after a period of time, I think you could. Mm-hmm. It's a safe thing to I, do for I, the dog. Yes, but it's not. It's not. Um, you're not allowed to do that. Not can, after. If I you find a dog and you advertise it, well, she didn't three, find, no, she didn't find a dog. No, but he hasn't. He hasn't uh, done what his responsibilities, and time has gone on and on and on, and and she loves the dog. No, I think no good for her for registering the dog. And no, she stole the dog. Okay, and I don't necessarily agree with the stealing thing, but possession is what three tenths of nine, nine, nine three tenths. nine tenths of the law or whatever. Twenty four thirds. Who knows? Twenty four thirds. I don't know. Yes, I think that he has to to suck it up, recognize his error, many errors along the way, not registering it, not having a, a contract with these people, not taking care of it when he asked her, begged her to do something about it. She said three months, and he reneged on that. And so, oh yeah, he made a lot of mistakes going on. I agree. And so, just suck up the fact that you made a lot of mistakes and get another dog. I agree. Before you get the other dog, think about your life and if you should get another dog. What? Oh, you yeah. Don't oh get, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah make sure, make you don't sure get you, a dog if you're like, oh, I got to go and do, like, no. I don't know where I'm going. You don't get a dog. Um, one of the worst movies of all time, I love this quote, uh, one of the worst movies of all time is Jaws the Revenge. Oh. They made four sequels to the Jaws movie. Oh. None of which should have been made. Right. <laughs> Michael Caine, I think, was in Jaws the Revenge. He was? Michael Caine has said, mm-hmm. I read interviews with him where he said this, mm-hmm. he has no shame when it comes to acting. He will act in anything they ask oh, him to. Oh, okay. My, uh, some people who know me may know that my, uh, my great uncle was Ray Milan, the actor. Yes. And... Uncle Ray was in Escape from Witch Mountain, a freaking <laughs> awful Walt Disney movie in the 70s. He was also in a horror movie called Frogs. Oh, my God. Just awful. But you know, work is work, some actors would say. Work is work. When asked about his role in the shark drama, Michael Caine admitted that, I've never seen the movie, but by all accounts, it is terrible. However, I have seen the house that built it, and it's terrific. <laughs> the house that built it. Oh, I see. Right. And Uncle Ray had the same attitude. Right. It was. It's work. It's I'm working. Work. I'm an actor and I'm going to work as when I get it. As long as what I did in the movie was good. That's right. He didn't care whether the rest of the movie was shit. Many may say Michael Caine saved that movie. Just I know. His... No, they wouldn't have. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it, was I mean, it, it was is Michael Caine. Oh, no. It was, it was. I saw it when I was a kid and yeah, it was definitely. I don't. Definitely, I never saw that. So you don't, don't ever want to see it. Of course, I saw the original. Oh, everyone I mean, saw the you know. original. No Australian kid should have even seen the movie Why or not? even looked at the cover of the book. Why not? Because you're swimming in the, there, you know, you just you don't. It spoils your whole ocean experience for at least two years. How does it spoil your ocean experience? Because prior to that movie being made, I don't think anybody even really thought about the Great Whites that much. Not in my childhood. No. And then when the movie came out, everyone was like, oh, my God. And, you know, it became this terrifying thing. Did it? Because at least in, I was in Nova Scotia at the time, so the East Coast of the United States, Canada. We never, there were never any shark attacks ever, 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 ever. I don't remember ever hearing about this before Jaws. But in Australia, 
they happen on a fairly regular basis. Oh, no, like a grizzly bear attack in Canada. Yeah, you once, know, once on a the year. Odd, odd occasion. Well, once a year, someone gets attacked by a shark. Yeah. Some surfer. Yeah. So it wasn't unknown. Oh, no. No, no, no. See, no. for us in Nova Scotia, we didn't even know these things would do that. We knew about sharks. Yeah, yeah. But there was more of a danger from uh, running into a whale on your boat, mm. on your rowboat, on your mm. on your powerboat. Falling boat. in and dying of hypothermia. Well, hypothermia was a bigger <laughs> fear than, than anything else. So we had no idea that sharks were even dangerous. But you in Australia did oh, know there yeah. was some danger to sharks. Well, you can go to the beach and there's the shark alarm and there's shark nets like in the swimming areas. Yeah, so you guys knew sharks were bad oh. things. Oh, well, yes. So how would Jaws have affected you? Oh, because the shark had intent. The sh- the music, <laughs> the music in and of it, in and of itself was just terrifying. Oh, it was. So as a kid, you know, you go out and you go out and you hear that, yeah. and you never see your swimming experience is completely ruined. It's awful. So it did. I remember distinctly it having a great effect. I think one of the advantages disadvantage was that yeah, you guys knew sharks were off the coast. Oh, yeah. So there was a potential of this. Oh, God, For yeah. us in Nova Scotia, we didn't even you go didn't. into the water because it was too freaking cold. Right. Oh, but, yeah. yeah, but then I became an irresponsible, drunk, crazy young adult, and I'd go and swim in the middle of the night in the middle of the ocean. So after a while, the Jaws effect. And doesn't that seem familiar in the movie? It's exactly what happened in the movie. Did she go out at night? The very the first scene Oh, the yeah, movies. we would be out in the, mil- in the night. The moon would be out. We'd be out way beyond the waves. The very first scene of the movie is drunk girl goes in the water, goes swimming in shark Was she drunk? I think that was the assumption. Oh, okay. They were all a bunch of bunch of kids dancing on a fireplace. Yeah, and, and off she went and, for know, a she, swim. Yeah, she found some strange guy, and she's going to go run in the surf naked with him. So yeah, let's let's assume she was drunk. Okay, or at least Australian. Well, I guess that Jaws effect ran off by that time. I'd forgotten about it. I saw Jaws in the movie theater when I was ten. Oh my gosh! With my dad. Oh my gosh! It was the only father son thing. Dad and I ever did except fishing. Yeah. Oh. He took me and so my dad, six foot six, three hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah. Sitting in this movie theater chair. Yeah. Me with a big bag of popcorn. I didn't know what Jaws was. Oh, so you didn't even know had no what clue. you were in for. My dad says go to a movie. It's like, okay. You know, I was ten. Oh, so yeah. I couldn't Aww. say no. Aww. And because remember, this is, people don't people may not remember, Jaws was the first summer blockbuster. There were no summer blockbusters before Jaws. There was no movie that everyone went to go see in the summertime. Oh. And so, and Jaws, I think, opened in May and would still, nowadays, it's funny to think about this, the young kids out there mm-hmm. don't realize movies would stay in one theater. Oh, for a long for time. For months. Mm-hmm. So, for the whole summer in one, because in those days, you had, you had, you had one theater with one screen. Mm-hmm. And they'd play the same movie straight through the, the whole summer. And I don't remember if there was any sort of publicity about Jaws or anything else. It was just a movie. I don't remember seeing TV ads for it or anything else like that, trailers. Um, and I remember, but I do remember my dad saying, let's go to the movies. And I was like, oh, okay. It was a weird thing. For, just you and him. Yeah, because dad wasn't a social guy at all. He wasn't He wasn't touchy-feely. He and I had made, made, never made any real connection. And my, my parents were divorced when I was young, and at the age of 10, he came back into my life. And I think it was just him trying to maybe do some father and son thing, which is even weirder when you think about it. Dude. <laughs> Let's go see Jaws. You go to a Disney film, man. Are yeah. you kidding me? Instead of putting the fear of oh, God into you. Are you? Oh, my God. I was so afraid. So little Sean sitting there with his great big barrel big of popcorn. Big popcorn, big thing of, of, of soda. And, and big dad. Okay. Sitting there. And as things happen. Oh, yeah. As was, the shark is eating things and people. He laughed. He laughed. <laughs> oh, that's just weird. Not a big, uproarious, huge big man laugh. Dad no. had a <laughs> kind of little odd laugh mm. in those situations. He could, he could laugh big when he wanted to, but most of the time it was just a very, very quiet little laugh. Mm. So here's a shark munching on people. <laughs> and what were you doing? I didn't know what to do. I was scared, but dad's laughing. So is this funny? Maybe I should laugh too. No, it's scary. It's, it was just weird. No, I, I still remember the whole event as just being wow. weird. Just a weird, weird thing. Yeah. That was more traumatizing than, than anything else. 
And we so it finished, you walked thing. out, and you never talked about it never, again? No. Oh, no we, yeah, it's not like we discussed the movie or else like that. Just, that was it. That was it. We drove home, and, and that okay. was it. And you must have had that music in your mind for quite a while. I think Because I know did, I did. Though. Everyone did. I mean, that, <gasps> oh, my God. My neighbor's son is in a wheelchair and cannot vocalize. I have allowed them to use my pool for several years now and help the caregiver, caregiver lift the son into the pool. The mother and the caregiver discuss politics, knowing my political affiliation differs from theirs. They are generally critical and negative. The mother stores pool equipment at our place. I've hinted that she should take it with her, but she insists on storing it here. Stop right there. You don't hint. You do it. You, you, say, you need say to it. take your stuff with you, please. Yeah. When we had to replace the liner, she was very upset that a contractor was working in the pool for two days. Two years ago, I decorated with Christmas lights so so her son could enjoy them. Last year, I couldn't do the Christmas activities at our church, and she emailed me asking why the lights weren't up. I understand what the Bible says about loving your neighbors, <laughs> but how much bad behavior must we endure to make someone ha- else happy? Oh my goodness, this lady has a, a sense of self... Like, now it's... Now there's, a, there's this, uh, well... There's no question. She's not even implying that it's a great kindness or a great imp- or any imposition at all for have her, to have her son over there doing therapy in the pool. This lady is so kind and thoughtful and simply lovely. She's taking advantage of her. I think it's time to look at your neighborly friendliness and goodliness and review and Maybe not allow it to happen anymore. Or beyond, I know you're, you're going to say that things need to be said before they reach this point. The problem is anything, any conversation that happens between these two mothers is going to end up hurting this poor kid. This kid's in a wheelchair. This kid can't vocalize. This kid is, I don't mean this the way it sounds, does not have the quality of life that many of us would wish for this kid. I think in this case, you suck it up. No, I disagree. Why can't that mother have said, do you want some help putting the lights up this year? I've noticed that they're not up and I'm quite happy to come over and help if you're busy because Johnny loves them. And yes. Like she, instead of emailing and going, where are the lights? Yep. She could be saying, you know, is it okay if I leave my things yep. here? Is it better if I take them? She is the one that is the recipient of this great kindness for her son. I agree. So she should be doing a lot more in an effort to keep it going smoothly. And the pool owner should certainly have a conversation with the woman. As polite and kind as she can manage, and the conversation can be with regards to Chris's lights, sometimes I'll do it, sometimes I won't. I'm busy this With year. With regards to the, the pool equipment, sorry, but you can't store it in our home anymore. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't want her to go so far as to banish the mother, caregiver, and the child from the pool. I think the, the, what little I know about these situations, the pool helps a lot. Kids who there are public situation. pools that have lifts that take kids True. with disabilities all the time. True, but I, I, I would like her to... Deal with the situation in such a way that the, 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 the child can still use the pool. I don't care if mom's pissed off at me, but I, I want the child to still be able to use the pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, well. if, it was, if it was an able-bodied child, I would say, you and your kid can't come here anymore. Right. Go, go, go away. There's a public pool. Here's directions to the public pool. Take your shit out of my mm-hmm. pool storage area, and you guys bugger off. Mm-hmm. But because of this poor kid in the wheelchair, I would like her to say that, okay, gently, you can't store stuff anymore. Chris's lights may or may not be up. That's entirely up to me. But little Johnny can still come over and use the pool. Yeah, but we need to have some boundaries here or whatever. And the thing about politics is that is that you, you can't discuss politics. Yeah, I would rather not, please. Yeah, I just... And if you continue to discuss politics, then little Johnny can come over with his caregiver. You can't. You could, there's a lot that could be done there. But the fact is is that the mother should be bringing gifts to this lady oh, and, and, and helping and, and cleaning the pool, anything she can do to uh, pay back. I understand that it's hard raising a special needs child 
um, it's got to be, it's hard raising a typical, typical, I was going to say normal, normal is the wrong word, Mm -hmm. typical child, it's hard enough. Doing it with any kind of uh, restrictions on yourself or on the child is 10 times harder. Mm -hmm. But you've also got to to not be self-entitled, not be, uh, have your head up your ass that you don't realize other people aren't at your beck and call to do your bidding because exactly. you've got a hard life. Exactly. Therefore, they need to help you deal with your life. No, they have their own hard life. Exactly. You don't know what's way. going on. That's right. So yeah, if, if yeah. someone helps you out, you should bend over backwards to thank them in any number of ways. It, and it can be simple ways. Yep, that's right. Absolutely simple ways. What a lovely lady. Uh, was there something else? Anything? What about what about Lisbon? What about anything to do with that? Did you? Um, I'm trying to think what, what was. Uh, oh, that's right. Um, I asked the uh, folks at Lonely Planet, Lonely Planet Guides, to. Uh, they're giving us a. Uh, on the Your Mac Life show, where they're giving us a, uh, a travel guide uh, once a month. Um, we'll, we'll give it away on, on the show. And when I mentioned Lonely Planet, you told me the story about your uh, Lonely Planet India guide. Oh, yeah. It was like five, five, six, five inches thick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you lugged that thing around I India? lugged my Lonely Planet <laughs> India guide. Uh, my my backpack was literally full of toilet paper. I took, I, I know it sounds silly. <laughs> I took so much toilet paper to India. And I had wait, my, wait, 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 wait. From Australia? Uh, no, from England, oh, from London. Okay, okay. Yeah, packed full of toilet paper, <laughs> and and my Lonely Planet guide. <laughs> yeah, and I'd be, you know, and if we, you know, pull it out, this and it was so worn and uh, notes in the margins and highlighted and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Lonely Planet and DKI Witness are my two favorite travel guides. I recommend for anybody who wants to go someplace. And are they all online now? Like, if you're traveling, you go in. Yeah, you can go to LonelyPlanet.com, and all okay. their gift guides are available as, as uh, e-publications, cool. on, on, online books. There you and go. you actually buy them um, uh, both. There's they, they give you a deal if you buy both the e-book and the physical book. Oh. And there's advantages and disadvantages oh, of, yes. of both. I agree. I agree. The e-book, you, you may not want to bring your electronic device to India with no, you. No, and you who know. knows if you can access it. Yeah. Um, but no, ebooks get downloaded onto your. Oh, so you've got iPad. them on your yeah. So, but still, I want my. T- I, I I I like the tangible the book to have. Even the book. though it was five inches thick. You still oh well, to bring the book. well, well. Then it was not long ago. We didn't have the yeah. op- option of having an ebook or whatever. We, I had to take it. We um, I've got them sending me a copy of their both Lisbon and Florence books. Oh, um, lovely. The Florence book is uh, just for you and I. The Lisbon book is going to be for the photography trip. Uh, we're doing starting point photography in Lisbon, and it's basically you're going to go to Lisbon for a week, hang out with Melissa and I, and learn how to take better photographs. We're also going from to be going, Sean, not from me. Well, yeah, <laughs> we're also going to be going to a incredibly beautiful, picturesque little town called Sintra. And Sintra, if you go to Instagram or Flickr and do a search for Sintra, S-I-N-T-R-A, or the Pena Palace, P-E-N-A Palace, you are going to see the prettiest, most picturesque little Disney-like castle. You'll think Walt Disney built this place. It it's on the ocean, correct? No, it's not. Oh, I thought Sintra was. No, okay. Sintra is not. Okay. Um, Sintra is a little town out about 45 minutes outside of Lisbon. But then we're going to be going to uh, Cabo de Roca. And Cabo de Roca is the westernmost tip of Eurasia. Mm. You can't get any further west mm. in Europe than Cabo de Roca. And for some reason, I just love that idea. The it idea is of standing cool. on that point of on land. The- that the next thing is what? North America. North America. Yeah. And the Portuguese uh, were a great seafaring nation and a great uh, uh, exploring nation. Uh, Vasco da Gama and a bunch of other folks uh, left from Lisbon to explore. And just the idea that you'd be standing in the same sort of, seeing the same view that they did. Oh, I know, right? You know, when Christopher Columbus left, that's the view he had. Nothing. Oh, <laughs> it's like, so incredible. Keep going until you hit something. Yeah. And I just the, the visuals of that I just absolutely love. 
I, I hope we will we'll be able to maybe rent a car and on our own time go to Nazare, which is that place with an incredible wave action. I can't imagine seeing them in real life. Nazare, N-A-Z-A-R-E-S, is a place where just recently a world record was broken of surfing the world's highest wave. Oh. This is a 125-foot tall wave, uh, and some crazy person surfed down it. Yeah. That's just insanity. It's insanity. I mean, I grew up around big waves, but these are, these are uh, 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 they terrify me. building size Just looking waves. at them on Instagram terrifies yeah. me. It's a 12-story building that's moving. Mm. <laughs> and, and curling like, at the top with curling power. Curling at the top, and it's, and it's falling over and moving at 60 miles an hour, and then crashes with several tons <sighs> of water to destroy you if you even slip. Oh. I mean, you if you slip... Off your board, you are dead. Yes. There, think... There's no surviving the Nazare waves. No, I don't think there would be. I don't think you can. If do you, people die there? I got to assume they do. Hmm. Do, yeah. Because okay. it doesn't, I mean, you can be a, the world expert surfer. If you slip on your board. That's it. That's it. You're done. It's just an amazing, amazing, scary place. Um we're going to be there for a week. We are uh, Saturday to Saturday. The uh, the basic idea is going to be that we're going to spend time in the mornings, um, an hour-long class on composition or black and white or landscape or whatever it might be. And then we're going to go and do that thing. So if, if the morning, say Monday morning, we're doing composition, we're going to go uh, to, in particular, on that Monday morning, the Belem Tower and the Geronimus Monastery. And the monastery is just spectacularly it beautiful. It is beautiful. Um, and learn and, and shoot composition. We'll shoot, we'll, there'll be 10 of us, and we'll be walking around, talking about photography, looking at light, looking at uh, composition, and there's all kinds of wonderful architectural details to use in our, in our composition at that spot. And then uh, at lunchtime or after lunch, you go off and do whatever you'd like. You know, so if you're a shopper, you there's some wonderful shopping districts in mm-hmm. Lisbon. If you want to go back to the hotel and just have a have a nap, you want to go to the beach. There's a beach right there near near the Geronimus Monastery. Um, you, whatever you want to do, you want to rent a. Uh, they have tuk tuks, those little two wheel or three wheel um, tourist cars. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that you can rent and and, <laughs> and, and take a tuk tuk, right? Or a Segway. Yes. You can join us Segway. on a Segway trip. Mm-hmm. That Melissa is hating. <sighs> you really don't want to go on the Segway, do you? Well, and Lisbon's so hilly too. That's why you want a Segway. To get oh. the damn hill. Oh, <laughs> the Segways don't go up those yes, hills. They do. Yes, I want to go on the tram. Yes, tram twenty eight. But you might, people, have beautiful photographs that you want to hang on your wall when you get home. The The goal of this is at the end of it, at the end of the week, you have, A, become a better photographer. That you are um, thinking about how to create better images on the next trip you go. Uh, I, I, the idea of this, I love the idea of this, because you're going to a place, you're going to learn stuff that you could then take with you everywhere else you go. It's not just on your next trip to... Florence, it's when you walk out your door the next day, when you take when you want to take pictures of your kids or you want to take pictures of your garden. You'll have learned these little tips and tricks and techniques that are really easy to learn. All it is mostly is a matter of remembering them. Um, really easy concepts to learn that you then take with you everywhere else that, that you may go, whether it's around your own hometown or whether it's in your state or whether it's traveling traveling around the world. But then you're also spending a week in one of the most beautiful places. Uh, the, the pictures I've seen on Instagram and in on Flickr, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous city. Really picturesque, really interesting visuals. They have this amazing, and I refuse to call it graffiti, this amazing street art on some it of the It really buildings. is the, phenomenal. The, this stuff that they have called Azulejos, which is a tile, um, you know, like kitchen tile, the kind of tile that you put in your house, but it's on the outside of a building. This wonderful Mediterranean-style tile work that is all over the place that you can photograph. They actually have an Azuleos Museum, which I'm dying to go to, to uh, to see that. The food is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Portuguese, I did not know this, are known for their seafood. So there's all kinds of wonderful food. And it's dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. It's cheap. And, and we've been told by people that have gone there that it is simply a vibrant place to be. 
and it's something you and I, I think we, I don't know if we mentioned here, but we've talked about the the national music of Portugal or, <laughs> or Lisbon. As vibrant as the city seems to be, as historic as, as it is, important important historically, as cultural as, as it is, the national music is this stuff called fado. <laughs> and it's, it seems so sad. Oh, it's very it's dramatic. Very and dramatic sad. and very sad. <laughs> I'm dying to go see it because the, 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 the city doesn't seem to reflect the national music. Well, and it's not music. The, the film footage and that we've seen of it is everybody's standing around and very solemnly yes. listening. People aren't talking. Yeah. Not clapping along. No, you listen to this music and you see this beautiful woman singing so <laughs> dramatically. And very everybody, intense. everybody's very intently listening. People are going, oh, 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 oh you have another pint. No, no. Yeah, it's you're not like, singing along. You're not singing along. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Yeah, I want to, I don't think I'll go and see it every night. This is not an Irish Irish <laughs> feeling good yeah this is it's like tears in your drink really kind of sad i I find that really fascinating (laughs) dying to find out how that well they were under a dictatorship for how many you know decades right (laughs) so uh if you're interested in that you can go to startingpointphotography.com to get more information about that the um uh the trip is March 23rd to March 30th is when we'll actually be in please Lisbon. Come. It's uh, please come. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's our, uh, spring break or Melissa's spring break from, uh, the, uh, the from job that. here mm-hmm. in the school district. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're doing it at that time frame. And then hopefully we'll, we'll continue to do it. I mean, this is an idea, what I call photo tourism. It's an idea that I've been wanting to do for a while. So if, if this is a success, hopefully we can continue to do it in, in other places as well. Mm-hmm. Even here in Vancouver. Where, possibly. Where, where, yeah, you know, possibly. it's a beautiful city. And all kinds well. of beautiful cities to, to do this in. So we'll, we'll try to get to uh, several others. But right now we're focused on Lisbon and uh, the wonderful time we're going to have next March 23rd. Emails to dltu at yml.me. Please review us on the iTunes store. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say about the show, about us, about this. And if you have any questions or comments about any of the things that we have, do you agree with some of the stances we've taken, do you disagree? We want to hear from you guys. Oh, yes. We want to hear because, yes, like we said, we don't listen to us. We don't know what the hell we're talking about. We can be, we not could be. We oh. generally are full of crap. Oh, we wake up in the morning. We've been at it for hours before we get on here. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> so this has been. Don't listen to us. I've been Sean King. Uh, I'm Melissa King. Thank you very much for joining us. See ya. Bye.